Well, it's so wonderful for me to be here. I want to read from Galatians chapter 4. That's the text that I've been given. I'm going to read Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 through 31. Galatians 4, 21 through 31. Galatians chapter 4, starting at verse 21. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai. Bearing children for slavery, she is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem. For she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. And she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, You who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Verse 28. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he was born according to the flesh, persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son. For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of slavery, but of the free woman. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Your word is living and active, breathed out by you, all authoritative, all sufficient, inerrant and infallible. Oh, Father, we are absolutely dependent on the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and discernment. We pray that you would grow us in the truth of the word, in the truth of the gospel. For it is only in the truth of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we have any freedom, any life, any joy, any peace. In Christ's glorious name, amen. Amen. So we're looking at Galatians chapter 4. I first want to relay an experience I had of nearly drowning. Has anyone nearly drowned before? Yeah, it's a terrible, terrible experience. I went down at the beginning of a set of waves. And it was wave after wave that pounded me down and down and down. And I would try to get up and I got hit and knocked down. And I tried to get up and I got hit and knocked down. And I didn't know up from down, right or left. I was so disoriented at that time. And I was losing air. And I got hit and drove down and hit and drove down. Until finally I was able to come up. And I thought I was through the surface of the water. 
And I tried to breathe in as deep as possible. And all I breathed in was that foam. You know, the salty sea foam. So where I was trying to get air, all I got was salt and brine. I could, it burned. It burned my throat and burned my lungs. And I tried again and I got hit by another wave. And by God's grace and mercy at that point, I was laying on the beach. And I was able to crawl up and breathe in. And my friends came up to me. Are you okay? Are you okay? I said, oh, I am now. I wasn't two minutes ago. What's amazing about Galatians chapter 4 is the Apostle Paul is holding firm to the gospel. There is one gospel. Jesus Christ crucified. There is one gospel that we are saved by faith alone, God's grace alone, through the person and work of Christ alone on the cross. That on the cross, Jesus dies. He lived a perfect holy life. And on the cross, he dies to pay the full penalty of sin. To satisfy the wrath of God on behalf of all those whom the Father would call and draw. The Son has died. All in whom the Holy Spirit will bring from death to life and give the gifts of repentance and faith. So that's the gospel. That while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, Christ dies. The Holy Spirit makes us alive and the Father has placed his love on us. So that's the gospel. That's the glorious gospel. And what was taking place in the church in Galatia, as you've been hearing speakers and studying and having your discussions, is people came and they were presenting other gospels. False gospels. Gospels contrary to that we are saved by grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. And the main focus of this group was that if you were Jewish, if you obeyed the law, if you went through the statutes and regulations, the law of Moses, that you were right with God in a way that a Gentile could not be. So ultimately to be saved, you had to become Jewish. And that's what the Apostle Paul is standing against. That's why in Galatians chapter 1, he made clear that there is no other gospel. There is only one gospel. So we come to Galatians chapter 4, and the Apostle Paul is using an illustration. And he's using an illustration concerning Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. God made a promise to Abraham in Galatians 15, I mean in Genesis 15, Genesis 17, Genesis 19, Genesis 21. You have God continuing making this promise that through Abraham, there would be a blessing to every nation. And he would call and draw and make a people who belong to him. God keeps giving this promise but there was a problem, as you've already studied and heard. Abraham and Sarah were elderly, and Sarah was barren. It was absolutely impossible for them to have offspring. Absolutely, physically impossible. And that's why God chose them. That's why God called them. That's why God is going to use them to illustrate how everyone is saved who is saved. How everyone is saved who is saved 
is the Holy Spirit convicts them that they realize they have no righteousness of their own. That it is impossible for them to make themselves right with God. That each and every one of us are dead in our trespasses and sins. And in that regard, we are all barren in righteousness. We can produce no righteousness of our own. So God calls Abraham and Sarah, but there's a problem. And Abraham feels that he has a solution. So Sarah comes to him and says, take my servant Hagar and produce an offspring for us through her. And this is the illustration that the Apostle Paul is using here to the church in Galatia. That's why in this passage it speaks of the slave woman, that's Hagar, and the free woman, which is Sarah. And it speaks of the Jerusalem, of Mount Sinai, of Arabia, and it speaks of the Jerusalem of above. And the reason why the Apostle Paul is doing this is he says... If you think that you can make yourself right with God in any way through your works, through your righteousness, you're still in slavery. You're still in bondage. You haven't been set free. That's the whole purpose. That's the whole illustration that the Apostle Paul is doing here. The Apostle Paul wants people to be set free in Jesus Christ by Jesus Christ, for Jesus Christ. And these false teachers and false apostles with their false gospels are just enslaving people and holding them in bondage. So again, Galatians chapter 4, again verse 22, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, he's speaking of Ishmael and Isaac, one by a slave woman and the one by a free woman. Verse 23, but the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now, if you go earlier in Galatians, here's where the Apostle Paul is building up to this, this promise. It's Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. Again, it's how he begins the section we're looking at. Galatians 4, 21, tell me you who desire to be under the law, so if you go back to Galatians 3, verse 10, here's the problem with trying to be righteous before God by the law. Galatians 3, verse 10, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. If you're trying to be made right with God through your obedience, your law keeping, your righteousness, you'll never come to the surface. Because the law will continue to pronounce you guilty, guilty, guilty. And you'll just be driven under and under and under. And you will never have the breath of life. If you think you can save yourself, you will sink and you will die. That's how clear the Apostle Paul is making this. Again, Galatians 3 verse 10, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. So, so if you think that you're right with God in any way through your goodness or your works or what you have accomplished, 
you're just placing yourself under the curse. You're just, you're just having the pronouncement of your guilt to continue to ring forth from the law. Again, Galatians 3 verse 11. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. And here's the glorious gospel. It's verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. There it is. That's how one is saved. That Jesus, who lived a perfect holy life, he obeyed all the law. The only one to obey every law, every statute, every principle, every aspect of the law of God. Jesus obeyed it in every thought, every word, every action, every inclination of his heart. Every desire of his was always right, always true, always holy. And yet on the cross, he pays the penalty of sin. He is forsaken. He is cursed. He is pierced. He is crushed for the transgressions of those whom God would place his love on, whom he would bless, who were under his just holy curse. This, this is the gospel. And this is why the Apostle Paul is using this illustration of Hagar and Sarah and Isaac and Ishmael. What the Apostle Paul is saying is for those Judaizers who have come to Galatia and are corrupting the gospel, they're still bound. They're still enslaved. They're still dead in their trespasses and sins. They're, they're still underwater. Only Christ can bring you up, bring you to life, bring you to forgiveness through his obedience and his sacrificial death. Twice the Apostle Paul refers to children of the promise. He does it in Galatians 4 verse 23. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Again, he does this in verse 28. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. So I want to go to Romans 9. Romans 9 is where the Apostle Paul illustrates the great reality of what it is to be promise. Romans chapter 9, starting at verse 6. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. And not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offering, offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said, about this time next year I will return and Sarah 
shall have a son. The barren one will have life. And again, this is how everyone is saved. Everyone is saved by you being born again. By you being brought from death to life through the power of the Holy Spirit, given the gifts of repentance and faith, to know who Christ is, to trust and believe who Christ is, to receive him as your Lord and your Savior, to know life. That's what it is to be a children of the promise. What does God promise to his children who have been saved in Jesus Christ? He promises you life. He promises you his love. He promises you his faithfulness. He promises you peace. In this world, you'll have tribulation. You'll have suffering, persecution, hardship. But you can have a peace in Christ, knowing that you are right with God, knowing that you are loved by God, that enables you to persevere in God's strength. These are the promises of God. But these promises do not come to those who think that they have earned them. Jesus is a good physician. He only comes for the sick. So you have to understand that apart from Christ, you have nothing. No righteousness, no holiness, no hope, no peace, no love, no joy. Apart from Christ, you have nothing. But with Christ, you have everything. That's what it is to be a child of the promise. That's what it is to be set free. That's what it is to be, be a child of God. You, you have everything. You're co-heirs with Christ. That's why I'm, I'm so... <laughs> So thankful that this retreat is about heaven. What a blessing that is. Because if you're in Christ, that's where your citizenship is. That's what you're longing for, is heaven. That's, what, that's your ultimate desire. The Apostle Paul says that's our most blessed desire, is to be in heaven. Why? Exactly. And that's very important because a lot of people who long to go to heaven, they would be fine if Christ wasn't there. I'm just telling you the reality. But the reason why you would long to be in heaven is because you long to be with Christ. Because you know that in him is all of your life, your peace, your joy, your hope. That he is your holiness. He is your righteousness. He is your everything. To see Christ, to be with him. In the presence of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit to dwell forever. That's your longing. That's your hope. That's where your heart should be. That's where your eyes should be fixed. That should be your desire because you're a child of the promise. God has made a promise in His Son. And you are in the Son. Again, if I want to go just above the Romans 9 to Romans 6. This is another very important passage that helps us understand this allegory, this, this reality of the slave and the free and the Jerusalem of bondage now and the Jerusalem above of freedom. It's, it's Romans 6, starting at verse 6. This is our reality 
For those who are in Christ belong to Christ. It's Romans 6 verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Again, this is the glorious reality for those who are saved. As Christ called Lazarus from the tomb, if you trust and believe in Jesus, if you... If you know him as your Lord and Savior and the freedom and joy that it is to be saved in, by, through, and for him, that's because the shepherd has called his sheep by name. And you've heard his voice. And you trust and believe and follow him. This is what it is to understand, to consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. It is through the work of Christ and not your work. It is through the glory of Christ, for we have no glory of our own. This is what it is to be a child of the promise. Now, the other illustration the Apostle Paul does here is he contrasts the Jerusalem below and the Jerusalem above. And the, one of the greatest passages that illustrates that is Hebrews 12. So I encourage you to go to Hebrews 12. As the author of Hebrews speaks of this same heavenly Jerusalem. And what the author of Hebrews does here in Hebrews 12, again, he makes a contrast between the law and the gospel. He makes a contrast between the giving of the law in Sinai and the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ crucified. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18. And what, what the author of Hebrews is doing is he's reminding them when the law was given, when God came down on the mountain and the thunder and lightning and the fire, the people were scared to death. They literally were. And they cried out eventually to Moses, Moses, you go talk to God. If we keep listening to God ourselves, <laughs> we're all going to die. It was the wisest moment of those people who wandered for 40 years. Because they had a grasp there of the holiness of God and their sinfulness. They, they, they knew they needed a mediator. They said, Moses, you go. <laughs> We're going to die. So that's what the author of Hebrews is reminding of here. Hebrews 12, verse 18. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. That's at Exodus 20. That's when they're crying out. Verse 20, for they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. 
Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. The gospel is holy. The law is holy. The law is holy and good. But the law cannot save. It cannot perfect. But what the law can do through the conviction and power of the Holy Spirit is make you aware that apart from Christ, you are guilty, guilty, guilty. Apart from Jesus Christ, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. Apart from Jesus Christ, you are under God's holy, just condemnation and wrath. And apart from Jesus Christ, a person will spend eternity in the eternal conscious torment of hell. The wrath of God poured out on them forever and ever and ever. No end. Because God is holy, holy, holy. So the gospel is amazing. That we would not receive what we deserve. That we would be given what we could not earn. So what is this heavenly Jerusalem? It's Hebrews 12 verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Remember the blood of Abel cried out, murder, murder, murder. The law cries out, guilty, guilty, guilty. But if you trust and believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what, does, what is the promise of God? You have been made righteous. You have been made holy. You have been adopted. You are loved and you have eternal life. That's the gospel. That's the glorious reality of what it is to be a child of the promise. What it is to be a citizen of heaven, of the new Jerusalem that will come down to the new heaven and new earth, one in the presence of God. In Christ, we are citizens of a kingdom that will not be shaken. Again, if you go down in Hebrews 12 to verse 27, this phrase yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. God disciplines and purifies and refines those whom he loves. Those who belong to his son indwelt by the Holy Spirit. This is what it is to be a child of the promise. I, I've been very blessed through my years of ministry and mission work. 
I've been able to officiate and be a part of many funerals. But I've also attended a lot of funerals over, over the years. I warn you, a funeral is the most theologically dangerous place a person can be. I warn you. If you're going to go to a funeral, any funeral, I plead with you, pray. Study the word. Remind yourself of the true gospel. Because I've been to many a funeral where the reason that person is in a better place is because they were a good person. I've heard it again and again and again and again and again and again and again. That's what the Apostle Paul is making clear in Galatians 4. If you think that you're saved because you're a good person, you're still in bondage. Because that's not the promise. The promise is, you are a very bad person. I am a very bad person. Jesus was a very good person. Fully human, fully divine, perfect. To be a child of the promise is to receive his righteousness, his holiness by the grace of God. To be loved as the Son is loved. And that's what I want you to, to think about and to, to pray about and to consider as you go from here. To be a child of the promise is to be as loved by God the Father as God the Father has, does, and always will love the Son. You're loved with the same love. And if you are so loved, nothing and no one can take you out of that love. To be a child of the promise is to know, believe, receive the love of God in Jesus Christ. So that's my hope and prayer for each and every one of you here. That you would know, that you would believe, that you would understand the truth of the gospel and that, that it is Christ alone that your hope is found. It is his righteousness alone that makes you right. So, so I plead with you. I plead with you. Repent. Believe. Receive the love of God that is only found in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you that by ourselves we are helpless, we are hopeless. All that we can earn is your condemnation and wrath. Father, we are amazed that you are so gracious, so merciful, so loving that you would send your son 
to be the sin bearer, to satisfy your wrath so that we could know your love. Oh, Father, grow us in your love. Grow us in the freedom that is found in your Son. Grow us in truth. Father, we pray that you would continue to discipline us, grow us, guide us, guard us in the faith. Oh, Father, we thank you that your Son has promised that not only is he holding us, but you are holding us. And nothing and no one can take us from your grip. In Christ's glorious name, amen.